Today, we are excited to have Pastor Don Gowd sharing God's Word with us. Pastor Don was lead pastor for Bethel for 25 years and is still part of this church family. He has a word specifically for us today. So take a moment now to prepare your heart for today's service. I really believe that today's word is as much a prophecy as it is a sermon. And with that being said, let's get into the word of God in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19 and reading down through verse 28. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Please, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And here's the crux of the scripture that I want to get to in the first part of the message. Now, Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, listen, let me insert here. Seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. When you believe, you will see. After eight days... His disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came. Notice this, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace be with you. You'll need a little peace when Jesus shows up through closed doors. (laughs) Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answering him, said unto him, My Lord and my God. I want to begin this morning with this premise. God wants to reveal himself to you and to me in a new dimension at which we have never known him before. If I've seen all that God could do, I'm disappointed. Let me say it again. If I've seen all God can do, I'm disappointed. I grew up a child of the 50s. Born in 1943, I'm 80 years old. But in the 50s in great tent revivals with Oral Roberts, I saw limbs that were shorter than others grow. 
I saw people who had polio take off their braces and run around the tent. I witnessed the blind see, the deaf hear, and the mute speak. And I declare to you, if God could do it in the 50s, God could do it again in 2023. The power of Jesus was not released into the church until the body of Jesus was bruised and broken. That happened when the soldiers lashed his back with 39 stripes from a Roman whip. And in that brokenness, it released healing for the body of Christ. At the cross, even before he got to the cross, <coughs> the soldiers pummeled his face with their fists until it was unrecognizable as human. They spat upon him, they scoffed at him, they mocked him. They nailed him to a cross and they pierced his side. But in that brokenness, it released the power of salvation by which all of us can be born again into the kingdom of God and receive eternal life. When he cried, it is finished on the cross. In that brokenness, the veil of the temple was ripped from top to bottom. And it released the power of the Holy Spirit of God, the very presence of God that permitted him to say to the disciples, I breathe on you my very breath. And in that breathing, I say to you, receive the Holy Spirit. In this time, in 2023, it is necessary for the body of Christ to become broken. Because a broken and a contrite spirit, David said, God will never despise. And when the church becomes broken, it is going to release a new anointing in the body of Christ. I believe that there is a new anointing that is ready to be released from the heavens. The reason we need the anointing is because Isaiah ten twenty seven said the anointing doesn't just break the yoke. The anointing destroys the yoke. We need the yoke destroyed. In Micah 2.13, there's this little obscure scripture that says the one who opens will break forth and go before them. In the Amplified, it says the breaker, the Messiah, the anointed one, shall go up before them, liberating them. So the devil is going to try to destroy your anointing before your anointing can destroy what's holding you and keeping you back from the purposes of God for this very hour. When God created man... He created man as Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim. That's what Thomas said 
after eight days when he finally saw Jesus, he cried out, Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim, my Lord and my God. It was the glorified, resurrected Jesus. It was a new revelation of Jesus that Thomas had never seen before. Jesus didn't just get bruised and broken. Jesus got planted. Because the Word of God says in John 12, 24, unless a seed falls into the ground, it produces no harvest. But Hebrews 2, 10 said that by his suffering, Jesus would bring many sons into glory. Today, there are over 8 billion people who live on planet Earth. Out of that 8 billion, 2.38 billion are professing Christians. Astounding number. But even greater than that, I researched this number. In the 1970s, I witnessed the move of the charismatic awakening. In 1970, there were 58 million Pentecostal Charismatics. Today, there are 644 million Pentecostal Charismatics around the world. And that number is exploding exponentially and expected to reach a billion shortly. God is moving in the earth by His power and by His divine anointing. When Jesus was at the cross, those who surrounded the cross keep saying, if you're the Son of God, come down from the cross, save yourself and save us. But Jesus was saying, no, I'm going all the way. To this end was I born and for this cause I came into the world. This is the reason the Father sent me to die for your sins so that you could have eternal life. He had all, go ahead and praise him. Amen. He had already rebuked Peter for trying to stop him from getting to the cross. There was nothing that was going to stop Jesus from going. If I'd been there, my cry would have been, don't come down. Don't come down now. Stay there until you accomplish the Father's work. And you succeed in what you do. The only hope we have of redemption is that Jesus remains on the cross. Jesus didn't just pray in the garden to be delivered from the cross. He knew he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He knew that was the word of God. Someone was trying to kill him before he got to the cross. Someone who knew the prophecy of Genesis 3.16, that he was going to crush the head of the serpent. And that's what he did at Calvary. Jesus crushed the head of the devil once and for all. Hallelujah. That's why he kept coming back to the disciples 
and telling Peter, James, and John, you need to stay awake. You need to pray. You need to intercede. Because if I don't get to the cross, you don't get saved. It's imperative that I get to the cross. It's imperative that I die. Because in my dying, you're going to receive eternal life. If I die, I will save you. So pray and intercede that the enemy doesn't kill me before I get to the cross. Now look, look at the second passage of Scripture in John 11. John 11, verse 1 through 6. We're going to jump down to 11 through 15. And then verses 32 through 44. Now a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who had now anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. <clears throat> Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, the one you loved is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, I'm just going to paraphrase this now, he waited. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he waited. Now let's go to verse 11. <clears throat> These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. <clears throat> then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, and they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Verse 32. <clears throat> Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you, if you, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. There would, for when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus came groaning in himself to the tomb. It was a cave, 
and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him, was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. The old King James says, Lord, he stinks. He's been dead four days. There's an odor. Jesus said, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. And because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. Now I want to recall the premise that we began with. And that is that Jesus wants to show us another side of himself that will reveal himself to us at a level we've never seen because this morning God wants to take us to a level spiritually to which we have never gone before. You do not have to beg God for what he has already paid for. Let me say it again. You don't have to beg God for what he's already paid for. It's already done. Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But sometimes, because he loves us, he causes us to wait. The reason we are in the trouble we're in in the Middle East today is because Sarah and Abraham would not wait on the promise of God. If they had waited, there would only been Isaac. There would have never been an Ishmael. But they would not wait on God's promise. It is imperative that you learn how to wait on the Lord. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. The reason God makes us wait is that he wants to make sure that we can handle what he's about to do through us. 
God needs to know that he, if he gives you a word of prophecy, that you're not going to take credit for it, that you're going to give the glory to God, and you're going to know that the prophetic word comes from the Lord. God needs to know that if he uses you in the realm of the miraculous and in gifts of healing and you pray for people and they are supernaturally divinely healed, you're not going to take credit for it. You're going to go back to the Father and you're going to give him the glory and say, God did it. I had nothing to do with it. It was his healing power. God needs to know that if he gives you a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom for someone, that you're going to give God the glory and not take credit for it. I'm telling you this morning, God has more power in him than you're asking for. You need to go back to your place of prayer and say, God, I haven't been asking you for enough. There's more in you than I'm asking. Pastor David mentioned him coming to Bethel. Well, the best thing they ever did was bring him here. Well, one Sunday morning he was preaching. And I'll never forget this. I never thought of it. That I've been preaching for decades. He made this same statement. He said, the only thing God can't do is nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. God can do anything in your situation. I don't care what it is. Nothing is impossible with him. So what do you do? So what do you do when Jesus calls? Or when he, rather when he stays where he is when you call? What do you do when Jesus stays right where he is? Will you wait for the promise? Will you wait for God to do what he wants to do? <clears throat> They know him as a great physician. They've seen that power demonstrated over and over again. They've walked with him. They've seen the miraculous. They know that that's possible. But they don't have this revelation. What revelation do you need that you don't have today? I'm telling you, I'm prophesying to you this morning that from this pulpit, and in this congregation, God is going to give an increase of revelation. You're going to get it in your prayer time. You're going to get it in your devotional time. You're going to get it when you're reading your word. But you're going to get an increase of revelation from God that you have never had before in Jesus' name. It's coming. We know him only by revelation. John 14, 21, Jesus said this. He said, if you love me, you will be loved by the Father, and I will love you. 
and I will come to you and I will reveal myself to you. To reveal, to manifest, to make known. I studied this in the Greek and it means that it will affect all of your five natural senses. You will be able to hear him, touch him, see him, hear him, and smell him. Don't tell me he doesn't have a fragrance. He's a rose of Sharon and a lily of the valley. Don't tell me you can't taste him. He's a honey in the rock. Hallelujah. Don't tell me you can't feel him because he's here this morning. His presence is moving in our midst and we can feel the divine presence of the living God. Hallelujah. I told Pastor Jamin I wasn't going to shout. (laughs) I'm just a preacher. I make no apologies for preaching the gospel. I just thank you for giving me this opportunity and God giving me the strength. See, God doesn't have to prove himself on the level where you are. He's just going to prove himself on the next level where he's taking you. He could have come when they called. He could have come when Mary and Martha summoned him, but he didn't. Because he needed to show them the power of his resurrection. Remember Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, when she conceived? The Lord said she hid herself for five months. And after five months, Mary received the same visitation from Gabriel. And he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and overshadow you. And you're going to conceive a child of the Holy Spirit of God. And you will call his name Jesus. And he will save his people from his sins. Mary left and went to the home of Elizabeth. And when she entered the door and embraced Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth's womb began to leap and to jump and to move. I'm telling you today, something in you hasn't moved, hasn't leaped, hasn't jumped for a while. But the Spirit of God is about to touch that place today. And you're going to leap and jump with the vision and the promise of God in your life today. In Jesus' name. God wants to take you back where you laid your promise down. wants to take you back where you laid down your dream where you laid down your vision and your hope something you've been praying for for years that you knew God could do God's saying today I'm going to renew that vision remember the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings 4 
when Elisha the prophet prophesied over and he said you're going to have a son she gave birth she was barren but she gave birth over the prophet's word but the boy died she went and got Elisha Elisha came and prostrated himself on the boy twice the boy sneezed and came back to life Elisha picked up the boy placed him in the woman's arms and said here's your promise I'm telling you today God's about to pick up your promise put it back in your arms and say I've resurrected what was dead I've brought it back to life again and here's the promise of God Jesus said roll the stone away Martha said, Lord, he stinks. I can't reach that handkerchief, Richard. You'll have to come get it for me. I need it. By this time, he's decaying. But you see, they have no revelation at this level. They've never seen God do anything like he's about getting ready to do. Show me where you laid him. And then he said, remove the stone. The Spirit of God is telling you today to remove everything that is standing between you and what God wants to do in your life. Get it out of the way remove the stone when he called him by name now listen to me when he said Lazarus come forth I don't care how many people were living at that time named Lazarus there was only one person that could have that miracle and that was that man in that tomb there's a miracle with your name on it and nobody can have it but you. And when God calls your name and says, roll the stone away and get up out of that grave, it is time in the name of Jesus to receive the promise of God that's hanging over your life. Hallelujah. There's a miracle with your name on it. There's a promise, a desire, a hope, a dream. He came out bound in grave clothes. And Jesus said to the disciples, loose him and let him go. Don't let what has you bound hold you any longer in those grave clothes. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, 13 through 14, and I've quoted this to myself so many times the last few years. Forgetting those things that are behind and pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Loose him 
and let him go. <clears throat> I'll ask the praise team to come and the altar workers to come. <clears throat> and we're going to open the altars in a moment. You see what Jesus said didn't line up with Mary and Martha's present revelation. They didn't have this revelation of him. I don't know what revelation you need today. And I don't know what has you wrapped up. If you got to just turn and face them because I'm going to let you pray with them as they come. Perhaps you're wrapped up in the grave clothes of coldness of heart, indifference, lukewarmness. Maybe it's been a long time as you really felt the presence of God in your spirit. Maybe you're wrapped up in the grave clothes of unforgiveness, something that you just cannot let go of. Maybe you're wrapped up in some addiction that you have prayed and battled over and over. It said, God, deliver me from this. I can't do it alone. I believe today's the day for the deliverance of that addiction. Maybe you're wrapped up in the grave clothes of some kind of sickness physical pain. Maybe the doctors have pronounced some kind of sentence on your life. And you're ready to unwrap those great clothes and be healed in the name of Jesus. Perhaps you're wrapped up in the grave clothes of financial debt. And you just think, I don't know that I'll ever get out of this. There's an answer. There's relief coming in Jesus' name. Perhaps you're wrapped up in the great clothes of depression. The spirit of the enemy that has plagued your mind, clouded it and made it dark. God's ready to set you free today. Perhaps you're wrapped up in the great clothes of bitterness. Bitterness to your family. Bitterness to friends and co-workers. Your boss. I don't know who it is. I can't name everything. Stand with me. Just bow your heads. As they begin to sing this powerful song that they ended up with this morning. Death was arrested. I'm going to ask you today to respond to God's call. You can come and stand and worship on your own. You can come and kneel on your own. Or you can come and let one of these people pray with you. It's up to you. But I'm telling you, today is a day of deliverance. Today is a day to unwrap grave clothes and get set free in Jesus' name.
If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find the link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.